1: Some good, some bad. But from everyone, there has been something learned. And now it's time to share that knowledge. It's called Paying It Forward. Here, these lessons learned are then paid forward to you. With you paying it forward too.
0: Well, Welcome everyone. I hope you had a great um, week from last week anyway. I wanted to share with everybody, I had such an exciting week. I actually got to meet Jacqueline Smith from Charlie's Angels. As most of you might know, the mom entrepreneur is out there listening. Um, Jacqueline Smith has a line with Sears and Kmart. And um, this is her 25th anniversary, so I was so lucky to actually be chosen as one of her five models to come out and share with everybody her line, and it was just so exciting. I want you to know that Jacqueline Smith looks incredible Um, At her age, she looks just as beautiful today as she did when she was on Charlie's Angels. And her clothing line is just amazing. Not only that, but she really is a genuine, beautiful person on the inside. So with that, I'd like everybody, all you mom entrepreneurs out there, seriously, go check out Sears and Kmart. I know a lot of you might not shop there, but the clothes are just amazing. So you really should check them out. So with that, I am very, very excited about my guest today. My guest today is Rob Basso, and he has a passion to help other small businesses. He wants to get America back on its feet, which is why I thought Rob would be the perfect guest on Paying It Forward. We're going to learn lots of things about Rob today, especially his business, BassoOnBusiness.com. So with that, I would like to welcome Rob Basso to Paying It Forward today. Good morning, Josephine.
2: Rob. Josephine, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And, you know, I'm excited to be here, especially because you have the best sh- uh, show name. And I wish I had thought of it myself because that's my entire mantra. Okay.
0: So, Rob, I'm laughing here because one of my guests on my show, Donna Jarowowski, I never know how to pronounce her name. Do you? Jarowowski? Was
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I can never pronounce her name. I feel terrible. Sorry about that, Donna. I'm sure she's listening today. But Donna did an amazing show. We were talking all about her business, about organization, and she actually led me to you. And I am so grateful to her because I feel that I came home after the luncheon I had gone to with you. And I said to my husband, I said, I think that's the male version of me. Rob Basso.
2: <laughs> It's the yin it's, and the yang, right?
0: <laughs> it's so funny because if you go to Toginet.com and you go to the to the description of my show and then you read the description of what Basso on Business is, it's so, so similar. And I'm just so happy because with my show, what I try to do is really interview really successful entrepreneurs like yourself so that we can help those entrepreneurs that are just starting out. And it's not just a startup business, but it's people who have been in business for a long time that might feel like they're spinning their wheels and they just need somebody to get them back on track. And that's why I thought you would be the perfect guest today. So thank you so much for giving us your time today, Rob. Absolutely. Okay, so this is how I usually start my show. It's quite interesting. I usually ask the question... So, Rob, when you were little, I'm talking like five, six, seven years old, even before the age of 10, did you ever um, do anything that might have been entrepreneurial?
2: Uh, that, that is an interesting question. I haven't been asked that question before, <laughs> but I can say that I was certainly a handful. I was in nonstop motion. Uh, as you well know from coming to one of my events, uh, as an adult, I'm still in nonstop motion. I guess that if you want to say that I did something entrepreneurial or, you know, I think it was really being an individual. I always kind of stood out in a crowd. I was always uh, making funny faces or doing silly things to keep, you know, to keep things moving. And I think that has, you know, played through. Well, not that I make funny faces as much anymore, <laughs> but I think that, you know, that energy and that vitality from my youth has helped me become the successful entrepreneur I am. I didn't really start uh, any kind of entrepreneurial venture, I guess. Well, until I was eleven or twelve, with my first paper route.
0: You know, I know, okay, uh, I know a lot of people. Okay, the answer I was looking for, Rob.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, that was a little bit later, and I have to tell you, it's interesting because they don't allow kids to do those paper runs anymore. I remember specifically one morning; it was the sun was just coming up. I guarantee the rest of the kids were sleeping. I had spent weeks and weeks saving uh, to buy this new ten speed bikeable bike to make my route go faster. I was riding. Oh mask that was on my face because it was so freezing cold went in front of my face and I slammed into the back of a parked car oh, no. and picked up the bike, carried it, the rest of the way, finished my paper route, threw the bike in the garbage, saved money, and I bought a new bike. So, you know, <laughs> that, that story there is kind of the epitome of, of the way my career has gone. You, you, you get kicked down and you get back up again.
0: I think that's amazing. But Rob, it's so funny because I have to tell you, the one thing I've learned from my radio show is that most entrepreneurs have done a lemonade stand at the age of five or six, or they've done a paper route. I mean, it just blows my mind, but it's almost like we've had that. And I also did the paper out with my older brothers, just to let you know, Rob. <laughs> so it's just, it's funny how somehow we've, you started very young with that entrepreneurial spirit well, I,
2: so I, think now, I, think I think you're born with it, Josephine. I, I, you know in, in my mind and this will kind of be through our talk today potentially, you know some skills can be taught, but that passion and that drive inside um, I, I think it's a real challenge you know to be learned I, I, I think it's one of those things that have to be instilled with you you know from from when you're very little.
0: Yeah, and I think you're so right about that. I mean passion is one thing, but Rob, I have to tell you. As being an entrepreneur myself, like I created this monster um, by inventing a product called Glovies, and we'll talk about that more later. But the thing about an entrepreneur is you truly have to like to ride roller coasters because the highs can be so high and the lows can be so low that you have to, like you said, with your 10-speed bike, you you have to be able to pick it up put it to the side, and start all over again. And sometimes that could be a little challenging. I agree. All right. So now I am dying to know about this ice cream truck business. But before we, say, before we get into that, Rob, I have to tell you a funny story about ice cream trucks. So um, my listeners don't know, but you actually live on Long Island, which I do also, and... Um, We live up on the North Shore, and the funniest thing, Rob, is that I have three kids, four, six, and eight. And it was only last year, when my oldest was seven years old, that we were visiting relatives um, that live in Garden City. And all of a sudden, my oldest turned to me and said, Mom, what's that music? It was about three o'clock in the afternoon. My children did not know what an ice cream truck was. How bad is that, Rob?
2: Oh, my gosh. You must have felt like a neglectful mother. They didn't know what the ice cream truck was.
0: (laughs) You know, it never really dawned on me that we live all the way. I'm sure, I don't know if you know, we live on the North Shore, which is way up by Comset State Park or whatever. And there's no way an ice cream truck is coming up here, so... It's really kind of funny. But anyway, that's my story about the ice cream truck. But I would love to know about your ice cream business.
2: Well, you know, as entrepreneurial as, as I was, uh, you know, I tried lots of different things. And when I had graduated uh, college, I went to Hofstra University, which is here in New York. And I didn't have a job. Uh, I was actually a history education major. And um, there were no teaching jobs available. I did my student teaching. And I just could not find a job. The subbing was not paying the bills at the time. I said, what am I going to do? I got rent to pay. I was renting a house with five other people, which is a whole other story, after college because that's all we could afford. And I said, how are we going to make money? It was summer, beginning of summer, and I said, you know what? Everybody loves ice cream. I said, who doesn't like ice cream except maybe the lactose intolerant? Now, we ended up renting two ice cream trucks, and I had people driving them. And it turned into this entire fiasco where we went into the wrong territories. I didn't know there was territory lines between drivers. And we literally had a turf war between the ice cream trucks. And I can distinctly remember one of the other ice cream trucks chasing me down, the bells ringing, the candy was falling off the shelves, and pulling me over and saying, hey, you're in my territory. I'm like, territory? Nobody told me there was territories. I had no idea. And we had to have a soprano-style sit-down with the leasing company that leased us the trucks for me to learn the rules of the road. And that was really my first, you know, significant entrepreneurial venture. While it actually worked out very well, uh, you know, kind of the moral of the story is, you know, kind of knowing, knowing your boundaries. And entrepreneurs are all about pushing boundaries. But there are some rules of engagement, and I totally blew those rules. And I'm more conscious of the things that I do now. Not that I'm afraid to step on people's toes now and again. It's just... Mm-hmm. There are some guidelines in business that are considered inappropriate, and I didn't follow them. So that was one of my first big learning experiences running that ice cream truck.
0: I think that's great. It's a great um, story for our listeners out there because when I heard your whole story about the ice cream truck business, Rob, what I was thinking about is like I was saying about my Glovies business. It's almost like I've been doing this for five years, and a light bulb went off. Just like in the beginning of the summer to say, oh, my God, who am I kidding? I know business. I, you know, that's what I studied in school. I've got lots of experience on Wall Street and all of this good stuff that goes into a successful business. But when you are talking about retail, I was like, oh, my God, this is such a different world. And the fact that you didn't know that there were territories I didn't realize that retail was such a complicated, complicated business. And as entrepreneurs, it's like we have that passion to jump in. And sometimes I think we have to just maybe, for me personally, I think I needed to talk to other people before I got so into it to say, hey, you have experience bringing a product to business. Tell me what your experience was. So maybe I wouldn't have gotten... So I I don't know. I have lessons to learn. Let's put it that
2: way. Well, I think, Josephine, I don't think you're you're any different, or I'm any different than any anybody else.
0: Yeah, and I think you're right. I think we're all entrepreneurs are so so similar. But we're going to get back to that in just a minute, Rob. We're going to take a quick break.
1: right back with more paying it forward with josephine jirossi right after these on Toginet.com. get ready for the not so soccer mom tuesday afternoons at 1 eastern noon central on togy with jill hickey you name it from politics to pop culture to jill's search for the perfect bronzer and chicken salad the not so soccer mom will weigh in on it all the sentence i have no opinion about that is one that jill has never uttered Everybody. In the early 90s, Jill finally decided to put her thoughts, opinions, mom advice, love of pop culture, hummus and Starbucks, working out, cosmetic shopping and politics into an actual website and thus notsosoccermom.com was born. Shortly after her fourth child, a boy, Jerome, now she's really got tons of topics to share with you. This is laugh out loud funny and we're not gay. What's a loud Nebraska girl who lived in Little Rock for many years and now is up in the Northeast doing, chronicling her opinions on everything? The wheels aren't off yet, but it's close. It's the Not-So-Soccer Bomb with Jill Hickey. Tuesday afternoons at 1 Eastern, noon central on toginet.com. The American Rock and Roll Cal. Welcome back to Paying It Forward, the show dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful as we discuss accomplishments, lessons learned, and sharing those ideas. Now, let's get back to Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi on Togenet.com. Well, Welcome back, everyone.
0: It's Josephine, and I have Rob Basso, um, who is the owner of Basso on Business with us today, and Rob is giving us some amazing advice. And What we were talking about before break was how here I was, a mom, I came up with this great idea for a great product, and uh, amazingly, I was having babies, and next thing you know, I went to China and came home with a real product, and that product ended up on the shelves of big retail stores, and Rob, now what? (laughs) I was like, oh my, I just didn't realize how complicated the retail business was and I think I needed to do my homework a little more, and I think a lot of it has to do perhaps with planning, and I know you have a lot of great advice on how, you know, entrepreneurs need to plan ahead, so if you wouldn't mind, we'd love to pick your brain on that.
2: Well, sure. Case. I mean, you know, Josephine, it, it, it really starts with the with the simplest thought, and A lot of entrepreneurs have these wonderful ideas, and they're so excited, and they're so passionate, and it's going to be the next best thing, and it's going to be on QVC, and everybody's going to know about it, and everybody's going to be wearing it, or having it, or using it, or whatever it is. That's all great, because you need that excitement. That's the number one thing you need. But the second thing you need, very shortly after that, before you start spending too much time, energy, and effort, is you need a plan. Now, I know you've probably heard other people say, well, you need to have a plan. You need to have, you know, it all written. It's true. It's so simple. I've seen so many small businesses fail because of lack of prior planning. And it doesn't have to be a 50-page you know, business plan with spreadsheets and charts. You can start with the basic, simple, multiple-page plan. This is the product we have. This is our market. This is how we plan on marketing. This is the type of capitalization that I need. All the basics. Most businesses fail, not necessarily because they don't have a good idea, but because they're undercapitalized. Here's an example. Uh, I have a retail client um, that actually managed to to, to get through it. Uh, They called me up, and they said, you know, we're starting this business. It's a retail establishment, and the build-out is going to cost this X amount of dollars, they thought. It ended up costing them four times what they estimated. And I asked them afterwards, how did you, you know, estimate what it was going to be? Oh, my friend, uh, you know, who built a a store like four or five years ago kind of told me what it would cost. Wow. That wasn't good enough information. And it nearly put them so far behind uh, that they went out of business. Now, they managed to scrap through it. But, you know, the lesson learned is, you know, you need to make sure of your numbers and what you're doing before you actually embark on the endeavor. Otherwise, you're going to cause yourself a lot of heartache and pain. Nobody likes to lose, and nobody likes to have an idea not work. But I have to tell you, at the beginning of my career, many things I did did not work. And even when I planned them, sometimes they did not work. But that's business, and that's life. The winners are the ones who keep getting up after they have these failures.
0: Yeah, but you know what, Rob? I think the hardest part for a lot of entrepreneurs out there is when do you know? You know, as entrepreneurs, we've got that fire in their belly, and we want to keep going and going and going. But sometimes, you know what? That horse is dead, and you can't beat that horse anymore. I mean, so many entrepreneurs out there who are successful said, oh, are you kidding? This is my third business. The first two failed, and this is the only one that's successful. How does a business know when to move on? Like, How do you know when that horse is really dead and you're beating a dead horse?
2: It, it, it really depends on you and your personality, but you know, the, 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 real, the real answer is you need to step back, and sometimes you need to ask help from professionals, whether it be um, your, your accountant, consultant, Someone that, that can look at it from a 10,000-foot view and say, hmm, you got this great idea. You thought it would be doing half a million dollars in the first year, and you did $50,000, and you're doing everything the best that you think that you can. But you know what? The entrepreneur sometimes says, no, no, but I can make it just another $10,000 invested, just another $50,000. The biggest thing that you can do is know when to cut your losses, and that's not something that can be done with a simple, oh, you need to look this, this, and this. There are so many factors which come into play when it comes to deciding to pull that trigger, there are just as many countless ones where that extra twenty grand, fifty grand, that extra two months put them over the edge into superstardom. So mm-hmm. it is a very hard thing for an entrepreneur who's got this passion to know when to say no. Here's an example: mm-hmm. I uh, started a company um, about, uh, I guess, six years ago. It was called Coessential, and what it was meant to do was to pair up six to eight to ten different services and package them as one to have the buyer have a much easier, you know, buying decision because they were all relevant products and services. But what I didn't realize was that in some cases, my existing client base was competing with the other things that I was trying to do, and it absolutely failed. It failed miserably. You know, I invested about $100,000 in it, and it was all planned out, all well thought out, but... It just didn't work. It didn't work because I, 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 I was missing something significant. And I looked at it and said, hmm, I spent this much money. I, it's been about a year. Okay. This is it. I'm done. And it, it's, a pain, it's a pain reward thing. You have to realize when there's enough pain to let it go and try something different.
0: Okay. I love that response. But I have to tell you, a year goes by so fast that I admire you that you were able to pull out as quickly as you did. I, th- I think that was smart for you well, to here's say, the, okay. But,
2: but, Josephine, the difference was, remember, I have, I have an existing business, which we didn't talk about. I, am, I own the largest privately held payroll and human resources company called LiAdvantage.com in the mm-hmm. tri-state area. I started that 15 years ago. That's my success. That's my huge winner. Everything I do... Um, and have done since is because I've had a huge successful win and I've had the opportunity and ability to go try these other things without absolute risk of being on the street. Okay,
0: that makes sense. Okay, so you got into the payroll business. How did that all happen, Rob? Do you want to talk about that real
2: quick? Well, sure, because it it has to do a little bit with marketing, but but I didn't even know it. When I uh, after my ice cream stint uh, as the uh, ice cream maven of Long Island I um mm-hmm. I realized that obviously that wasn't going to be my my permanent my permanent job not that anything against people who make you know ice cream trucks as their living mm-hmm. is not what I particularly wanted to do forever so I was working in a deli in an office building and I ended up asking the deli owner to let me wrap my resume in the sandwiches um in the office building and all the business people that were there, I could just picture them still pushing the mustard aside going, what, what is this in my sandwich? Well, I, I got five interviews, and I got three job offers. And I took wow. a job. Two weeks before I was supposed to start that job, the HR manager called and said, I'm really sorry. We can't hire you. There was some budget cuts. So I was back working in the deli, ridiculously embarrassed. I thought I would be ordering the sandwiches, not making the sandwiches. Right, And uh, the woman felt so bad, she called her husband, who ran a regional payroll service company. I didn't even know what a payroll service company was. And I said, fine, I'll interview with him. And I took a job. And uh, I was their top salesman for about a year and a half. And then the story really begins, underpaid, underappreciated. And I said, I can't do this. I'm not going to work the rest of my career like this. I quit without a job and started my own company. Wow. The rest is history.
0: That's amazing. So, Rob, then you started your own company doing what you really learned,
2: working for somebody else. Is that yeah, it? Yeah. You know what? People discount working for big companies or larger organizations. Actually, I just finished my first book called Where's My Yacht? Navigating the Way to Entrepreneurial Success, and it'll be out in November. And oh, great. One of the chapters in the book uh, talks about this, talks about there's nothing wrong with getting experience from large corporations or other entities and really learning how to do your craft, because in a lot of instances, they spend a lot of time, energy, and effort training you how to be a professional. It might not be the environment you want to work in, but don't discount the skills that you learn working for larger organizations. It doesn't mean you have to be there forever, but use it for what it is. Use it as a building block for your career.
0: Yeah, uh, that's a great piece of advice. And you know what? Sometimes when you're working for a big company, things don't go exactly right you know, as planned, and if you make a mistake, it's not going to harm a huge company as much as it would harm yourself if you start your own business, so it is a learning tool which I think is important. Yep. So, um okay, so Rob, that's great information. Can you tell us, so where did this whole mission of yours come from? Where did the passion come for you to really want to help other
2: entrepreneurs? I have... Since I started, you know, working, you know, as a, as a kid delivering papers to throwing pizza to running a printing press when I was in high school, um, I, you know, I've always been the type of person to, to kind of lend a hand here and there. Somebody asks for help or support, whatever it is, I kind of always wanted to pitch in. And I, I just think it was the way I was raised in my nature. And after I built a successful business and I service thousands of businesses and pay eighty or 90,000 people a week, I kind of mm. realized... That I built these skills unknowingly that I knew a lot about small business because I talked to them all day long. All my clients are in the same situation I am. And I learned the skills that it would take to give the proper advice and offer them solutions. But more importantly, people saw me as a resource for all types of things. I mean, I've been running you know, the payroll company for the last 15 years, and people would call me. Rob, do you know a good place I can lease a car? Rob, I know you know lots of people. You know, I'm having problems with this or I'm having problems with that. And I was always a resource for them. And I realized that a lot of the time there was information that I had in my head that I was able to avail to them. I said, you know what, how can I take this to the next level and help not only my clients but the outside world who aren't my clients? Because America is on the precipice right now of, of, a, of, of a major decision of which way we want this country to go. Uh, especially with the forthcoming elections that are coming up um, in the next handful of weeks, we, we, we need to help each other. And that's why I, I applaud your efforts on your show and just your general you know, personality is you understand the whole concept of paying it forward. Um, in the huge big picture, um, me helping other businesses is helping myself because I'm an American and we're, we're trying to get ourselves out of this malaise and this mess. And if we don't start helping each other, Josephine, we need more people like me and you helping each other to really help us out of this, you know, real tough situation the economy is in right now.
0: I I think you're so right, and I have to say, Rob, we're just coming up on a break in a minute, but I do want to say that it really doesn't take much effort with what we're doing. I mean, it just takes a little bit of kindness and maybe a little bit of time. And my whole feeling, and I know you agree, is that, There's so many successful entrepreneurs out there that are so proud of what they've done. And my whole feeling was, why keep it to yourself? Why not share it with others? And if you talk to any successful entrepreneur, I'll tell you, a lot of times you'll say, oh my gosh, I'm sorry I asked because entrepreneurs are exciting people who want to share everything with so many other people.
2: Well, Josephine, and I think that you, made it, you make a good point, and there is a distinction: um, proud and excited is very different than boastful and conceit, conceited. Because you know, I think sometimes people who meet me think that, think, think that my initially that I might be boastful or conceited. That's really not the case. I'm just right. excited about what I do.
0: <laughs> and I agree. I see that excitement every time I see you. So, all right, with that, we'll be right back. We're going to take a quick
2: break.
1: We'll be right back with more Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi right after these on Togginet.com. Welcome back to Paying It Forward, the show dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful as we discuss accomplishments, lessons learned, and sharing those ideas. Now, let's get back to Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi on toginet.com.
0: Well, welcome back, everyone. We don't have time for music today because we are picking Rob Basso's brain, and Rob has this amazing business. It's called Basso on Business. And, um, Rob, before we get started with the second half of Paying It Forward, can you do me a favor? Can you just let my um, listeners know how they can contact you if they want to get a hold of you? Maybe you could tell us where we can get your book as soon as it's available?
2: Sure. The best thing everybody can do is go to www.basso, which is B-A-S-S-O, onbusiness.com. When you spell it out, it looks like bassoon. Business.com, but it's really BassoOnBusiness.com. So it's BassoOnBusiness.com. You'll check out my website and all the videos and all the great information uh, we have for entrepreneurs and business people. My book will be available by November 15th and you'll be able to go right to our site and it'll connect you to Amazon and the other booksellers. So we're really excited about it.
0: Okay, great. Thanks for doing that, Rob. So what I'd like to talk about is we're going to talk a little bit about the excitement that we were just talking about before the break. And then what I think I would like to do, Rob, and I do this sometimes with some of my guests, is I take the five major um, parts of business, like sales, marketing, you know, accounting, the finances, and I'll take those five bits of business, and maybe you could give us your best piece of advice pertaining to each one. Does that sound like a good plan?
2: Sure. Absolutely. Okay, You're good. far away. Where would so, you like to start?
0: Okay. Let's talk about the excitement first. So we were just talking um, during the break for a minute, and I was saying that, you know, I live in an environment up here where I'm a mom entrepreneur, so I'm still very active with my children because, you know, they're still young and they still need me, and I'm involved with school while I'm trying to juggle my business. And it's so funny because when I go to pick up my kids or I'm chatting with other moms, sometimes I am just so excited about what... Um, you know, my latest guest on my guest um, on my radio show has been that sometimes it's not construed as excitement. It could be construed as you know maybe I'm being boastful or whatever. And I don't know, Rob. I'm sure you come across the same thing. Am
2: I right? Yeah, we do. And and here's the thing: people don't get some people don't get my level of enthusiasm. Here's an example: uh, I was uh, at a client's or it was a soon-to-be client or at least I hope so, I was on a sales call about six months ago, and Mm -hmm. I get a call back from the referral source, and he told me, he goes, Rob, uh, you know, the gentleman that you met with thinks thinks that you're on drugs because you were, like, very (laughs) excited about what was going on. I'm like, what? I I almost fell over. I got the deal. Don't worry. I got the account, and I'm actually pretty close with the guy now. But the point is, when you're really excited about something, it's infectious, and some people don't understand it. In general, the way I've dealt with that is, those people that really don't get me and get what I'm trying to do don't get involved in my inner circle of life. It doesn't mean I don't have relationships with people that don't get it, but what it means is the people that are important to me, the people that see things the way that I see, tend to be closer to me. And if you run with the winners, you tend to win.
0: Yeah, I love that. That's so, so true. And you know what the what the business tip I would like to pay forward is to all, especially the mom entrepreneurs out there, surround yourself with positive people and you get positive results. I really, really believe that. So, um, okay, with that, I would like my listeners to know I had gotten a lot of emails, Rob, that my eight year old son really wanted a puppy for his eight year old birthday, right? So, listeners actually emailed me and said, Oh, just go out and get the puppy. You'll be so happy about it. So, I just need to know, let the listeners know if you hear that barking in the background, that's my little Chanel, okay? <laughs> so sorry about that. But anyway, okay, let's move right along. So, Rob, let's start. What do you think the most important aspect of business is? Is it setting up the right foundation in the business? Is it financing? Is it sales? Is it marketing? What
2: is your opinion on that? Here's the, you know, all of the above are important, but the most important thing uh, is the base. And we said it at the beginning of the show that your plan is like a foundation in a house. I mean, the pyramids didn't get built upside down for a reason. There's only one way that that actually happened because they built a solid foundation. Very successful businesses tend not to work without having solid footing. There are many instances where people fly by the seat of their pants. I mean, I look at my business, I was printing paychecks in a basement on boxes. If my clients had <laughs> known that, they probably wouldn't have hired me, but I faked it till I actually made it. Um, yeah. But the, the simple fact is, all of the things that you talked about are really important, but if you look at sales, marketing, operations, they each have their specific points, and even accounting. Like, if you look at the accounting, how many small business owners would people think that really have a grasp of how their accounting works even what a general ledger is or how to read basic financials, very few entrepreneurs actually know how to read that. And it just takes some basic financial knowledge. I told you at the top of the show that I was a history education major. I'd only taken a few business courses. So oh, wow. I learned all this as I was going through it. Now, am I an expert finance guru now? No. But I've got good support to help me understand the things in my business. And that's one important fact. If I don't know how to do it, I find somebody that knows how to do it significantly better than I do because the only way to build a winning team is to surround yourself with people that are even smarter than you in the areas that you need them to to fill. My operations manager, way better than me at running the day-to-day operation. My vice president of sales, way better than me at managing his sales staff. I have acted as the visionary catalyst to get the business to where it is, and that's where it all starts.
0: I think I agree with you. I second everything you just said, Rob. One of the best pieces of business advice I got was from a man named Dick Pector, who was actually um, the president of Pershing, which was the company I worked for after graduating with my MBA. And Dick Pector said to us, I'll never forget, sitting in the fancy boardroom, and he looked at us recent graduates, and he said, The best thing you can do is surround yourself by smarter people because you'll become smart. And I love that. And I've lived by that for the past 20 years. So I think that that's great. Um, The other piece of advice I wanted to say was, um, Rob, this whole idea of hiring smarter people, you know, as entrepreneurs, I don't think we have big egos. I think the thing is, I feel more at peace that I get to go to bed at night knowing that I have a CPA handling all of my books. Do I know how to do my accounting work? Of course I do. But the fact is that I have somebody even better looking out there to make sure that I am following all the rules I'm supposed to be following. And if there's you know a special award out there for mom entrepreneurs or whatever, I have somebody else looking and you know, covering my back for that.
2: So, Well, when I, I, when I started right. in business, Josephine, I didn't have all that support. Fortunately, I've got to the place where I do surround myself and I have an entire team. I have a manager for my media opportunities. I have a publicist for my public relations. I have an executive assistant. I have a marketing director. I've gotten to the point where my job is to focus on the overall running of the business and being the name and face of the operation that we're running. My day-to-day responsibilities aren't as grand as they used to be about the internal part of the operation. And I feel incredibly comfortable because i got good people doing it. Now, believe me, I don't stick my head in the sand. We have staff meetings uh, every week with my sales and then with my operations. I get, I get reports. I have access to it. I review it. But I'm not in the minutia. And a lot of entrepreneurs and business people at the very beginning don't have a choice but to be involved in that because they don't have anybody else to do it. They have to be the chief cook and bottle wash. They do not have a choice. But as soon as you're capable of getting out of that malaise, you need to get out of it and get on running the outside of your business, not inside your business.
0: Yeah, I love that. And a common phrase that I, I use quite often, and Nell Morlino was recently on my show. She's you know, the founder of the Count Me In organization, and she's doing wonderful things to help mom, you know, women business owners out there. And what Nell always says is, you must try to work on your business and not in your business, which is exactly what you just said. And, um,
2: well, I Josephine, you, right? had men- you had mentioned you wanted me to comment specifically on, you know, these different areas. I know there was, you know, a sales comment that I had, you know, to, to what's the most important part of sales, and that's hiring a good manager. Because, oh, wow. for example, I'm a founder in a community bank, a bank called Empire National Bank, and I talked to the CEO who's probably in his mid-60s, who's been in banking for 30 years. Now, he's got some old-school philosophies, but he's, but he's up on all the new techniques. And he says, Rob, when we open a brand-new branch, um, we don't worry about the location first, which is, you know, counterintuitive. Most people say, oh, the location. He says, I need to find the best person to run that branch before I ever consider building and putting a branch there. So he'll hire someone six months before the branch even opens to make sure he's got the best person inside that institution. And entrepreneurs, you know, can do the same exact thing, you know, make sure that they hire a top-notch manager, you know, to handle things when they're not there, because they're going to be the, you know, the vicar for the things that you want done.
0: Yeah, I think that's so great. But Rob, I have to tell you, that is one of my worst areas as an entrepreneur. You know, I'm always feeling sorry for people. And I hire people based on the fact like, oh, gosh, I really want to give them a job. And I have to tell you, I had to take the emotion out of it and perhaps there's other people out there that are like me and I would just like to say it's so important. You've got to take the emotion out of it when you're hiring people and you just have to go for the best person. Like, do you have any advice, Rob, for somebody like me that would do something like that? Should I have somebody else interview them?
2: Actually, you you gave my piece of advice. Uh, uh, What we do at, at, at my organizations is uh, I'm the last person that sees anybody. So what ends up happening, even if you're a sole practitioner, you have a friend, you have a colleague, you have somebody that's not you that doesn't have such a vested interest in, you know, that position to come in and give an independent view. I would, you know, even if it's a spouse, even if they're not a business person, they can give you a completely different look about that individual and be very objective. What we do is we have a very formalized process. We don't just sit down... And ask them a bunch of random questions. We know our businesses, so we, we wrote out the questions and concerns that would get us the answers that we want to find to make sure that those person have the characteristics that we need. There are actually tests available online. Um, they're, they're less than 100 bucks a pop where you can have somebody fill out stuff online to see if their characteristics fit the type of person that you want to hire. They're very inexpensive tools. Um, uh-huh. But look, look to, look, look to your, uh, your support. Look to get you know, your friends and family to help. If, if you are that type of personality, um, it's a wonderful thing because it means you like people. Uh, it means you're a very trusting individual. And I've been burnt many a times you uh-huh. know, at the beginning of my career trusting people and wanting to do business with people because I like them and uh-huh. spent, my, spent months and months toiling and spinning my wheels because I hired the wrong person. That does not happen anymore. But, Josephine... You you can't really know that until you've gone through it. And you're you're in the middle of that right now. You will make that next step, but it only takes a teeny little change. Everything starts with an idea, Josephine. Everything we do in our life, we have thirty to fifty thousand ideas running around in our brain every day. If you can just take the time, energy and effort to change the ideas in your brain, you'll be more successful.
0: Yeah, I think you're so right. Okay. We'll be right back with our last segment of paying it forward
1: we'll be right back with more paying it forward with josephine jirossi right after these on Toginet.com. i am not the woman i used to be i'm free with minister diane jones Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. I love it. Debbie Glickman and Deanna Cohen know it. Join these soul sisters on toginet.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. Showcases two sides. One, to help entrepreneurs showcase their products and tell their story of their happily ever after. And two, to interview people who have realized their own fairy tale and doing something to benefit others. This show is here to help folks who have an idea and want to get it off the ground, as well as to inspire people to make the world a better place by doing something extraordinary or out-of-the-box to help others. Both of these entrepreneurs have their own businesses and websites with more information on their passions and successes. First for Debbie, FairytaleWishesInc.com. And for Diana The Deanna, TheNextBigZing.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true with the Soul Sisters, Debbie Glickman and Deanna Cohen on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Paying It Forward, the show dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful as we discuss accomplishments, lessons learned, and sharing those ideas. Now, let's get back to Paying It Forward with Josephine Gerassi on Doginet.com.
0: Well, welcome back to the last segment of Paying It Forward. We have Rob Basso from Basso on Business. So, Rob, if you could just give us um, a minute of your time and explain to everybody about that wonderful luncheon that I had recently attended and how you have these
2: luncheons every month. Sure. Well, most business people that are probably listening or budding entrepreneurs have been to these so-called networking events or business luncheons where you go and you hear a speaker talk. Well, what we've tried to do is create something entirely different and turn it on its ear. And it all starts with the web-based business show that I do every month. And we coined the show Basso on Business. It's available at our BassoOnBusiness.com site. What I do is we have an entire film crew go in to a small or medium-sized business and figure out the problems and concerns they're having, and then I, then I offer them advice and solutions how to make their business stronger. And then every month, we gather 30 business people, we premiere that, business, uh, that episode of Basso on Business, and the 30 business people in the room give further advice and information to the person that was featured in the show to make their business even stronger. And so, really, what it does is it brings the web world into the real world and acts as a catalyst for every single person in that room to think critically about their own business and how to make their own business more successful. Now, we can't solve everybody's entire business problem in a two hour lunch, but if people leave there with a few ideas to make their business better, we've succeeded. I get email upon email. And correspondence where people will call me or email me the next week and say, Rob, I came in Monday and I actually wrote down my goals. Rob, oh, wow. um, I realized that I was doing this incorrectly, and now I'm doing it this way. So it's those little things in your day. If I can impact that every month with 30 to 50 people live and in person, um, it's been wonderful. And I tell you, we have a huge event coming up in December. It's called the Working Lunch with Rob Reunion. And every show that I did this year, we're going to show a blooper reel. It's going to be, where are they now? So all the people that were in my show and featured in Basso on Business are going to be at the event, and we're, the 250 guests that are going to be there are going to be asking questions. What did you do with the advice that Rob gave you? Is your business any better because of the advice Rob gave you? And how well are you doing now? And it's going to be one of the most exciting events uh, in our entire region all year round. And matter of fact, we've already got people registered for it, and it's not until December.
0: Yeah, I am so excited about it. And what I love about the luncheon so much, Rob, is that they're real examples. It's not like you're reading it out of a textbook, but these are real people who have real challenges in their business. And it's just, I have to tell you, I had goosebumps sitting around that round table hearing all this great advice of all every single person in that room, in my opinion, was paying it forward, trying to help the individual company who was having a problem, and I thought that was amazing. The other point I would like to make is that um, the December meeting is going to be right at the Fox Hollow, which is in Woodbury, correct?
2: Yeah, it's at the Fox Hollow. Actually, one of our great sponsors is the Inn at Fox Hollow, which is neighboring there, and they're owned by the Scotto Brothers, Uh, really gracious people, and we're having our event over at their place.
0: Yeah, and the reason why I bring it up, because it is around the holiday time, so if any listeners are going to be traveling to New York, maybe they could, actually, it's such a quick ride from New York, it's probably just a 45-minute car ride, um, if they could squeeze that into you know, their holiday plans, I think it would be well worth their time.
2: Uh, well, we welcome invitations from all over the country, anybody who gets there first, it's first come, first serve, hopefully will be filled up by mid-November.
0: Yeah, this is great. I'm excited. Okay, so with that, Rob, I love to kind of end my show with um business tips. What kind of business tips? Like I really a lot of times um I like my listeners to walk away with real solid tips. So, what are your best business tips that you could share with us today besides probably the 100 that you've already shared?
2: <laughs> I've got I've got 3, you know, good tips and and they'll come with a little bit of story, each one of them. Uh, Great. The, the first one is um, I always ask business owners, what's your lollipop? And they look at me like, what do, you, what do you mean, Rob? What do you mean, what's my lollipop? And then I tell my ice cream story where I decided after every ice cream sale that we made that we would ask the children and the parents that were there, would you like a lollipop for later? We increased our sales by 15% by just that... 25 to $0.35 lollipop we were selling. And the point of the story is you want to be able to offer and focus on more and diverse, relevant products to your current clients. So selling more product and service to your current clients is a surefire way to increase your revenue. So if you're not selling more than one product line or a handful, look at other products and services that are relevant, figure out a way to sell it to them. It's much easier to sell a current client than it is to go get a brand new one. So that's tip number one. Okay. Tip number two would be be an original, but don't be unrecognizable. For example, um, we sent out my Advantage Payroll Service sent out a Groundhog's Day card a handful of years ago, and it said, "Don't be afraid of your shadow." You know, try Advantage. I forget exactly what it <laughs> said, but it's not important. Here's the I thing. I love it. Yeah. Well, this is the, the moral of the story: is we sent that out to ten thousand people. That wasn't the biggest effect. Our regional uh, paper, which is called Newsday, picked it up and thought it was so good, they reprinted the postcard in their business section, and then 800,000 people saw that postcard. Now, is it a little bizarre that your payroll company would be sending out a Groundhog's Day card? Maybe, but it wasn't so unrecognizable because we had our image on there. We said the appropriate thing. It just was different, but not unrecognizable. So people need to punch up their marketing but make sure that they don't move from their core values. Tip number three is don't ignore trends. And the biggest trend that's going on now is the social media. Social media is so important, and I don't care what business you're in. I don't care if you're selling tiddlywinks or you're selling firearms. If you're not on Twitter, if you're not on Facebook, if you're not on Flickr or all the other social media sites, including LinkedIn, which is a business site, you're doing yourself a disservice. I was at a function where I was speaking about four weeks ago. And I start my talk with, okay, everybody pull out their phones and text, follow on Business to 40404. And the crowd was 45 years old and plus. Half of them said, oh, I don't have texting on my phone. Twitter, I don't use Twitter. That was a loaded question. I knew I was going to get that answer from that group. And then I racked, circled around by the end of my talk. To make it clear that this was the point. You can't ignore this. The rest of the world is caught on to it. It doesn't mean you have to spend hours and hours a day doing your social media. It means don't ignore it. And mm-hmm. the biggest trend nowadays, you know, is Facebook and Twitter. We've built a big presence online with our Facebook and Twitter. And it, it's worked incredibly well for us. Uh, and it takes about an hour a day. We don't spend four hours a day doing it. Yeah. So those are my three so- tips, and I, and I hope that you know, your, your listeners get some value in, out of the three, you know, tips that I gave.
0: I think it's wonderful. And um, so, Rob, I, I agree with the social media, but do you have a designated person that handles that, or are you involved in it yourself? Like
2: and Ah, you know, that's the million-dollar million question. Yeah. I chose to be very involved because I'm building a brand, and my image and my brand in the marketplace is extremely important. I needed it to be my voice not somebody else's voice. So the things that get posted and things that get said come directly from me. I might not always be physically typing it in, but everything that goes out comes from my head. Now, it might seem like a ridiculous amount to do, but if you're doing three or four postings a day and this is your business and you just want to tell people about it, it's really not time-consuming. If you're not as concerned that the voice is specifically yours, you can designate somebody else to do it you have to monitor it very closely to make sure that your guidelines are being followed for the type of information that gets out, because once it gets out, it's out. And there's, there's nearly, there's no pulling it back if it's been forwarded along to other people. So I say, Yeah, it's in, a
0: scary uh, thought, isn't it?
2: <laughs> well, you know, I, all of our, you know our, I, I, I don't know at what age my kids don't have, you know, Facebook pages and stuff like that yet, although they're only 8 and 10. Uh, my 10-year-old's been bugging me, and I'm not letting him yet. But, you know, what happens in the teenage world, they send it out, and before you know it, every single one of their friends knows, you know, what's going on in their life. And it can be good and it can be bad. Uh, It's the same thing in business.
0: Yeah, I think that, I think it's a tough situation, social media with kids. That's a whole other situation. And it does make me nervous also as a mom. But um, I have a couple of more years to worry about that, Rob. Your kids are just a little older. But, all right, so, Rob, we have just a little less than three minutes left on the show. Is there a special topic that you felt that perhaps we haven't fully covered that you'd like to, to maybe expand on?
2: You know, well, um yeah, I think we've done a very good job today laying out some groundwork, you know, of what entrepreneurs need to do uh, from the beginning of their business and the middle and the end, and we gave some good, solid tips. I, I think potentially... We could go back to, um, you know, talking about, you know, some of the things that we have going on at Basso on Business. For example, I just finished my first book that I'm very excited about. I'm really proud about it. Um, We just Uh finished it about um, two weeks ago, and it should be available on November 15th. It's called uh, Where's My Yacht? Navigating the Way to Entrepreneurial Success. And we have a very special individual who wrote the forward in the book, one of the co-founders of Priceline.com, who's interviewed throughout the book, Graciously lent his pen to write the forward, and I dare say his writing is as good or significantly better than mine. And it's it's, he's just did a wonderful job. His name is Jeff Hoffman, and Jeff was gracious with his time. We spent hours interviewing him from his entrepreneurial story. I interviewed over twenty entrepreneurs, some that are household names and some that aren't. And what we tried to do is paint a picture of what it really takes to be an entrepreneur, depending on your background, what industry you're in. And then I gave salient points, which we call entrepreneurial insight, throughout the book with my stories embedded in there on how entrepreneurs can navigate their way to success. And it's just been an an exciting adventure. Um, I have a co-writer. Her name is Adina Genn, who's had about four or five books published. While I am a good writer, again, back to our earlier point, I'm smart Uh enough to realize, or I think I'm smart enough to realize, that my writing is good, but having professional help for your first effort was absolutely needed. I want this to be a book that people will really read, get a lot out of, and enjoy and pass on to their friends. Oh,
0: this is great. So, Rob, where can we get the book? I mean, I know it's coming out November 15th, but um, where can we get the book?
2: Rather than send people to Amazon first, what the best place, the best place to, to do is go right to my website at bassoonbusiness.com. Um, you know, we have uh, pre-orders available now. If you want to be one of the first ones, we're signing all of our first copies uh, with nice personal notes. So if any of your listeners want to pre-order, um, we can do that, and then they'll get the first signed copies coming out of my, uh, out of my office.
0: Oh, that's, that's great. I'm so glad. I'm actually going to be one of the first people to get it, Rob, because I believe in you so much. I think you're an amazing person, and I can't thank you enough for sharing such incredible business tips on paying it forward. So, Thanks, thank Josephine. you for being a part of paying it forward, Rob. And um, for thank you, listeners. And we'll see
1: you again next week. on This show is dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful. Each week, we'll be discussing accomplishments.